Hiring the wrong executive costs you time and money. Leveraging work psychology, Spear Consulting helps you hire the right executive so you can focus on growing your business. For a free quote, visit spiritmco.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Virtuous Heroes podcast. Excited to be able to have you on the show today, Spencer. I'm like, just like ready to uh, burst with this news. Um, you're the first person that I'm actually telling and knowing that your episode is going to go live July 13th. Uh, like it'll already been communicated to the rest of my family. So they're not going to think like I'm a creep that I'm like launching a first on <laughs> podcast. So, so you're not like, what is this guy doing? But, uh, yo, we literally just came from the ultrasound. Uh, oh! we found out that we're having a baby girl. Congratulations. Yes. Penelope. That is caroline gomez oh what a beautiful name congratulations to both of you that is amazing yeah we i've been i've been like prophesying for like the last like uh so we're in our late second trimester and i've been you know basically like felt like the lord had told me a while ago that we were having a girl so i've like not wavered at all and hannah's like well you know like we we just want a healthy baby and if it's a boy uh-huh. it's going to be good i'm like no Standard. no we're having yeah. a girl it's gonna you don't be understand. A girl. congratulations look at that golly god is so good that is amazing oh thank you thank you yeah you know my my parents have uh, 22 grandkids soon to be 23 and 14 of those are boys. So we're oh like just, uh, you know, crying out to add girls to the collection to just gotcha. add some wisdom to the family. And so we're, we're doing our part over here. You did it. Good for you. You're doing it. You're, you're balancing the scales. Yes, sir. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So wanting to, uh, you know, maybe uh, open up the episode today with some baby joy. Um, yeah. That's all about me, and today is all about you. So, um, no, sorry, I just had to get it out. You know? No, I love that. Congratulations from the bottom of my heart. That's amazing. Oh, thank you. So, uh, Spencer Clancy, thank you for being on the show. Why don't you tell us who you are? I am the System Director for Talent Development and Culture in Christus Health. So, currently live in Irving, Texas. I'm a Tennessee transplant living in Irving. I've been here for about seven years now. I'm a son. I am a fiance and a brother. I'm getting married September 16th, so I'm pretty far in the game, not quite ready for the baby girl news, but looking forward to that news someday and that joy. Uh, But for now, we're just living up the excitement uh, and the anticipation of planning a wedding. Uh, So that's really exciting. Um, Get to lead a team of about 37 people in my day job, uh, member of uh, a really great church community here in Irving. So that's, uh, that's a little bit about who I am. Sweet. So, uh, Spencer, will you tell us about your leadership journey and how you got into the position that you're in today? Yeah. You know, I've been really, really blessed with what I would say are some incredible mentors that have just, um, that I truly believe God placed in my life. Uh, Out of grad school, I met somebody just through uh, a friend, and it was one of those informal networking things that just kind of happened organically. Uh, a gentleman that I met, we, we found a mutual connection in terms of career interest. He asked me what I was looking to get into. At that time, I was in uh, my first year of graduate school, and that's what really kind of got my foot in the door to kind of 
get my career started. And same thing happened with my first leadership position. So at the time, I finished up my internship with that gentleman who I consider to be a mentor to this day. Uh, And then I was having dinner with a friend of mine who was preparing to leave a leadership role that he was in. And one of the gentlemen he worked with was there and he was asking me what I did. And I was sharing some of the things I was doing in my internship and some of the other activities that I've been doing. And he said, well, when Ryan's gone, we need somebody to backfill him. Would you be interested? And it was just so out of the blue. And it was one of those things I almost didn't go to that dinner. Uh, I, I remember thinking, like, God, it's a, you know, it's the middle of the week. And I was like, I just don't know if I'm feeling up to it. And, uh, and I decided to go. And that's really that conversation is what led to my first leadership roles. I was the manager of human resources for a small family owned company. Uh, and that kind of got my, my foot in the door. I was promoted there. And, uh, and then I actually, then I actually took a step back from leadership. I worked with that company for about three and a half years and loved it. I was able to grow some of what we were doing in our world. We do a lot of leadership development, talent development things and got amazing exposure. Um, Some would argue I may have got promoted a little too early for that role, but it was one of those things I wasn't going to turn it down. And, and the gentleman who hired me, his name's Steve took a chance on me. And, and, uh, and so I was worked really, really hard to make sure I didn't take that for granted. And at the time, Steve's background didn't really align with my, my kind of educational upbringing. He was over my entire department, but he guided me to the point that he could, but I knew I was looking for a place where I could grow and, and, and really learn from a leader from the technical side. He had great leadership qualities, but I knew I wanted to grow on the technical side of what I did. And that was another one that I was, um, I was at home for Thanksgiving and I was at a restaurant and got to talking to someone who was sitting close by and similar to the uh, first internship job, asked her what she did. And and she asked me what my career path was. And it just so happened she was in a leadership role at Christus Health, where I am today. And she asked me if I was interested. And at the time, I was, like I said, I was looking to grow and, and I was in my mid twenties and I wasn't married. So I thought I was going to do like, you know, go where all the cool hip spots are. I was going to go to like Denver or someplace like Portland, (laughs) you know, it's really cool. And, uh, she was in Dallas, which is like right stack dab in the middle of all of it. So she asked if, if I'd ever considered Dallas, Texas. And to be honest, I hadn't. And I told her that, and she told me to send her her my resume. So I sent Center my resume and got a call from someone uh, in their talent management department, and they had a senior consultant role available. So it wasn't a leadership role, uh, but it was one of those that I could see the growth potential with Christus uh, was much higher than where I was. And that's really what I was looking for was someplace I could grow, not to mention the two individuals that, um, that I would be learning from just had a wealth of knowledge. They'd been in the field for some time, had formal and and kind of doctorate level education in it. Uh, and it was a great opportunity, but I actually turned it down the first time they offered me the job. So they wanted me to split half of my time between Dallas, Texas and Beaumont, Texas. 
And there was just a lot of travel back and forth. And I just wasn't interested in that. And personally with where I was at home, couldn't make that commitment yet. And this was another, for me, another God thing, because I kept the business card of the two individuals that interviewed me, Karen Hale and Lisa Reynolds, I'll I'll never forget them, um, in my wallet, because I was just so struck by how genuine they were during the interview process. And about, about three and a half or four months later, I get a random call from Lisa Reynolds. And she says, hey, just wanted to check in and see if your circumstances have changed. We've changed the position at Christus Health. It's, it's been elevated. Uh, it's solely based in Dallas. And we would love to, to have you here um, based, on, based on your interview. And, and I was like, man, this just can't be something like that random out of the blue. I feel like this is really a push. And so I said, yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's check it out. And uh, it worked out. I, I accepted the job. I, I moved here in July of 2015, moved out to Texas to join Christus. And and I learned from, from Karen Hale, who was my first boss, really what great servant leadership looked like. She was incredible. Um, and I, I kind of knew what I thought leadership was, but she was really leadership in action. She was always there for her team, whatever your team needed. And she really put her team first. And she was somebody who early on believed in me and gave me opportunities to stretch my own leadership muscles in a new way. So I was promoted to a program manager role no direct reports at the time, um, but she gave me that additional autonomy, additional ownership over some things that our larger team was doing, and I got to serve in more of an informal leadership role. And I did that for about a year before uh, Karen and Karen's boss, Lisa, who ran our entire department, she was our vice president of talent management, approached me about a formal leadership role, so a director-level role at Christus. Um, and told me that they really, really thought that I was ready for it and, and asked me if I was open to that, to that challenge. And, and I was nervous because I'd only been with Christus at the time for about two years. And I was thinking I was going to get to, you know, learn outside of that leadership role for, you know, five years and really just get my feet underneath me. But they were asking me to step into that in a little under two and a half years or so. And I agreed to it um, because when, if, if you know those two, they're, they're very hard to say no to. But Karen was a great mentor, and she ended up retiring from Christus. And I, and I had the great pleasure of working with Lisa. And I, I have a really special relationship with Lisa um, as a mentor as well. Early on in my career, she, she told me that she saw me as someone who could f- move into her role and be a successor for her someday as the senior leader over all of the talent team at Christus. And, and that is something that just really stayed with me to know that somebody sees that in you. It was such a life changing conversation, honestly, like to, to know that somebody believes in you like that. So I was already committed to Christus for the long haul anyways, after that conversation. And that's, a, I think a, a little bit of the fuel that convinced me to take the director level role. And I'd been in that for about a year and a half before, um, where there was a reorg within Christus and, uh, I was reporting straight to Lisa at the time and they decided to combine our talent management team then as it was known with our talent acquisition, our recruiting team under one chief talent officer. So Lisa was given the role of vice president of change management and they downgraded at that VP level that was over my team at the time to a system director. And that's the position that I'm in today. I was chosen for that, met with the chief talent officer. We developed a relationship, spoke a little bit about 
you know, what did I see for this? He interviewed me along with some other people at the company and ultimately gave me the opportunity. So what I thought was going to be a role that I, I envisioned for myself 10 years down the road when Lisa retired, I moved into about three and a half, four years after I joined Christus. And so it was just one of those, you go where you're called, not where, you know, if, if you want to know if God has a sense of humor, make a plan. That was, that's my leadership career in a nutshell. Uh, I've been very blessed just with great relationships, incredible mentors that have really poured into me and invested in my growth and development. And that's really kind of my leadership journey and, and where I am today. Lots of bumps and bruises and mistakes along the way, but I love it. I love my team. I love the work that I get to do. Uh, but I'm just really blessed by the people that really helped believe in me to get me there. So Spencer, for those listening to your career journey thus far, and those that are like on, you know, in this market, there's a lot of opportunity right now. And there's a lot of movement, uh, you know, among health systems, among organizations, et cetera. What can you say to the person that's discerning a role as to like, what is the best way to discern whether or not that you're supposed to take a, a new position. Sounds like this is something that you kind of had the opportunity on both sides of the fence to both turn it down and then later accept it. Um, so just kind of like thinking about how that could be impactful for people listening today. Yeah. You know, I think there's, for me, I've been, you're right. I've been on both sides where I've chased a role because the financial implications of it, um, and I did that kind of early on, jumped into something that I just got so enamored by what it would mean for me financially um, and my financial freedom, you could call it that at the time. And it turned out to be something that just wasn't what I thought. And it was, it was pretty tough. And I know this will sound cliche, but I really do think it's what, where do you, how do you want to grow when you think about the position that you want next or really does it align with where you're trying to go in your career or can it get you there or, or parts of where you want to go eventually? Um, there's been roles that I've taken at Christus that um, I may not have had the, the direct expertise for, but I was doing pieces of that role. That role had pieces of what I knew I wanted to be doing in the end uh, and that leadership role. And so I would say it's when you're discerning, it's really, how does this goal either line up and you could even score it? You know, what are my requirements for a role um, in terms of how does it line up to my values? How does it line up to the growth potential and the skill sets that it's going to allow me to flex and grow and develop um, and really hold yourself accountable to being true to those? Because so often we can get we can get jaded by the, the cool things, the benefits package, which is important, right? The benefits package or the cool stuff that they have in offices now or some of these benefit plans that are related to quality of life. But bottom line, you're doing the role day in and day out. So does that allow you to grow how you're wanting to grow and where you're trying to go? And does it allow you to really demonstrate the strengths that you know to be the things that you best bring to the table? So those would be the things that I would say is really be clear on what's important to you. What are your requirements? And if you really want to nerd out on it, score the opportunities that you're considering against those. Um, that's one of the things that, that I've done before to really, it's like a more modernized version of a pros and cons list, right? 
Um, but it, it really kind of helps that discerning process. Have you been feeling unfulfilled? You want to be happy, but just continue to struggle. One of the best ways to experience joy is by caring for the homeless. A charity I've grown to love, River of Light, food rescues a million meals per year for the needy in Chicago. Imagine how that make you feel, knowing that you're helping feed children and veterans. To make a tax-deductible donation, visit riveralightchicago.org. Again, riveralightchicago.org. No one should go to bed hungry. So you told us about your career journey to date to the leadership position that you're in, but can you tell us a little bit about your faith journey and how those things were intertwined? Yeah, so my my faith journey has been one that I've been blessed. I grew up um, Roman Catholic, uh, baptized Roman Catholic, and actually went to Catholic school my entire life, all the way from elementary school through high school, uh, was went to Catholic school. So uh, it's not until now when you look back on that that you realize what a blessing it was to grow up in an environment where it's just so freely out there, you know prayer in class every day, the opportunity to go to mass throughout the week. You look back now and it's just, that's, that's just not the case in so many places, um, which was amazing. But what I didn't realize too, is that when you grow up going to school, at least for me, was I realized I began to equate learning about Jesus and and the truth of who Jesus was almost to the same as, as like a math. So it was like learning, reading the Bible was, you know, was a homework assignment. And I began to treat it and think of it like that. Like it was my brain almost associated learning about Jesus and and the truth of the New Testament and the Bible as the same as a geometry lesson that I was doing or a history lesson, just because it was, I read that right as I was doing all of my other homework. Um, And I didn't really, my church didn't really offer a lot of, you know, VBS or small groups that you could be a part of. And so I grew up going to church most, most Sundays, we were pretty, pretty good at going to church every Sunday um, and in Catholic, in, in Catholic schools. Um, So I was really lucky there, but I just didn't really do a lot on my own to really explore who Jesus was and the truth of the salvation that he brought. Uh, I really just relied on what I heard every Sunday and, and what I learned. And it really changed for me in college because I was going to mass, but I I've started, I think, to get a little bit distracted by the kind of always, you know, the beauty of, of, of a Catholic mass is, is how consistent it is in the traditions. Um, and I still appreciate that to this day. In that time of my life, I think I started to become a little just run down by how routine and how tradition and how consistent it was. And so I had a chaplain on our football team in college who uh, came to an FCA event and he had this challenge to the players. He said, if you have any questions at all about your faith right now or, or where you are, um, write it down on this car. We can go get coffee. We can go, get, we can go chat. But I would love to find out about your journey. And so I kind of felt like I was, had this, again, this just feeling like I should do this. I should really find out more. Um, and so I did it. I filled out the card and I thought it would be one of those things like, who knows if I'll hear back, but sure enough, I did. And his name was Josh and he was incredible. And he really opened my eyes to what I was missing and some misconceptions I had. He had me read this book called the ragamuffin gospel that really changed uh, the way that I view my faith. And he introduced me to the book of Romans and really what that looks like. And, And I started to read the Bible because I wanted to. 
And that really started to shape my faith journey because just like in leadership, you know, you're not confident, you may not be confident. So I would pour myself in my leadership into books. You know, I still have this challenge for myself as a leader to read a book a month to help grow my skill set. Well, that same eagerness to want to learn more applied to the Bible. Now I was reading the Bible and I was really intrigued by what I was finding, just the truths that were in there and going through the gospels to like, just really understand who Jesus was. Like it really started to reshape and ignite this fire in me. So now my faith to me wasn't just a um, legalistic view of you do this, you do this so that, you know, you get these rewards from God. I kind of had this, I, I'd always viewed God as an accountant, right? That you sometimes hear the, the tick marks and so wrong. And I get that now, right? But at the time, that's kind of how I viewed my faith was, oh man, I, I did this sin. I'm probably going to have a rough few days. Like God was just like watching out to like punish me and and through that journey with Josh and, and kind of getting to know him and, and jumping into to Romans, I really, really just started to grow um, and really understand what it meant to be saved by faith through grace. And it was, that's when it sort of changed. And so I began reading and doing these Bible studies and diving into what the meaning and the context of who an author was and what was going on at the times. And it just really changed my faith perspective. And that also is when it started to really shift how I acted because this call of we're called to live like Jesus did and Jesus lived humbly, you know, and that is when I started to realize in my leadership journey, humility is so key in this idea of servant leadership. You know, one of the things I don't have it today, but one of the things that I want most is, is I want a picture in my office of the washing of the feet. Because I just think that is so symbolic of who we're called to be as leaders. And so my faith journey today is one that is still, I feel like I've probably got the, you know, I'm, I'm hard on myself, but I like probably like a, a teenager in terms of my faith maturity, right? I've got room to grow. And I'm still learning more every day and every day. So I pour myself into um, guides and Bible studies that I can follow and try and read the scripture every morning when I get up. Um, but just really learning what it means to actually live it out and surrender yourself to your faith um, and lean into to that faith day in and day out has been probably my biggest growth. But I think that does apply to leadership because you have to lean into things, trust in your faith. Sometimes it's just, you just have Jesus to get you through some tough times. COVID was a great example of that. Um, but I think that my faith journey has really paralleled my leadership journey and just this, this veracity to learn more, to want to learn and to understand it more so that I can help share and maybe help clear up the misconceptions that I had. So, you know, I'm in these conversations and I'll hear somebody that has the same mindset I used to about my faith and like, that's what I thought. But when you read the Bible, it actually says, and just bring that energy and that light to it without being overbearing or forceful with it. Um, and I think that's leadership is how do you guide somebody without forcing them somewhere? That's kind of been my faith journey. How do I, how do I lead and, and follow and demonstrate my faith by example, lead by example, so that people want to be a part of, follow you or be a part of what you're a part of, or that be your faith tradition. So that's really been my faith journey. It's been, college was the big turning point for me where I, I began to really focus on growing my faith instead of just 
the legalistic mindset of what it meant to be a Christian. Awesome. Well, praise God for the way that he brings mentors into our lives, which it sounds like as you on either side of the fence, whether that be leadership or on your spiritual quest, that sounds like that's been consistent in your own walk. And I hear that time and time again of people talking about like, just being blessed by being able to have different mentors that like enter into their lives at, at various points to help them kind of like move into that next season of their lives. Um, and, you know, so thank you, Jesus, for Josh coming into your life. Cause yeah. you know, who knows if we'd even be on this podcast right now <laughs> yeah. if, it, if it wasn't for him and so. or you right. to be in the leadership role that you're in today, you know, I think just, being able to have that model of Jesus as a servant leader and not one that is just forceful on, on others, or it's all about me and um, mm -hmm. trying to just get suck as much as you possibly can, like out of different opportunities, but more so like, how can you focus on your team, love them, help them to grow and lead them to the water so that they can drink and help them to grow and develop in that way too. Yeah. Um, so as we, so thank you for kind of the backdrop there. So I know you said like humility is one of those ones and, and the washing of the feet is really impactful to you. Uh, we always kind of dive into like vices uh, and also virtues. So can you speak a little bit about some of the vices that you had to overcome to be the leader that you are today? It sounds like you had mentioned like when you were kind of moved into the HR manager position <laughs> that maybe you realized that there were some ways that you had to, you know, die to self in order to be the leader that you are today. Yeah, I would. So I think the one the vice that I really had to overcome is pride and ego. Um, I think a lot of that comes from my upbringing. So humility is, has been a huge journey for me because I always, I grew up in a household where, you know, we weren't, we were, I would say we're kind of lower middle class, but I went to school with individuals that I would say, especially in high school that were, were wealthy to upper middle class. And, and I was bullied a little bit in, in, uh, in school for being overweight when I was growing up and it just put this chip on my shoulder to always want to prove myself that I belonged to this group or this group. And so it was always my ego driving me prove that you have what it takes, prove that you've got this, that you're worthy, that you're just as good. And it was just always this pursuit of worth, right? So instead of really rooting myself in, you know, what the Bible would say about your worth, you're worthy right now, as you are, I carried this chip on my shoulder and it was, I'm going to achieve these, these benchmarks I'd set for myself that were tro totally driven by society. None of them, I would say, were rooted in a strong faith foundation. It was, I'm going to make this much money. I'm going to have this title. I'm going to have the perfect family, all the things that social media or society would tell you that you'd have. And, and that's really what drove me. It was pride and it was ego. Uh, and I realized when I got into my leadership role and then as I began to really grow stronger in my faith that you don't do it despite the people around you, you do it with the people around you and you do it by helping the people below you grow to where you are. And I, I think it, I got slapped in the face with that early, early on working for Karen and Lisa, who I referenced early as part of my leadership journey, because 
I came in to Chris's, like I said, with a perception of what Chris, what, what leadership was and to watch them lead was extremely humbling because I thought leadership was more of this, what I would say, transactional or authoritative leadership instead of transformational. And I would say they were transformational leaders. They led through influence and through relationships. I'll never forget the first time I walked in and Lisa said, we're so happy you're here. And she hugged me. And I was like, what have I done? Who are these people? <laughs> you know, I was like, whoa, 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 we hug here. And, and that was just who she was. And she, you know, would always it's one of the things I just got to watch. And, you know, they say the eye is the best teacher. Well, that was so true for me. I sat next to Lisa's office and, and Karen and I's desks faced each other. And I just got to watch how they led. And it really started to raise a mirror up. And, and I started to compare how would I have interacted in that situation? And it began to, sh- to almost, it was almost convicting for, for a year and a half. I got to see like, wow, I was so wrong about what leadership looks like. And then you, you marry that up with what you're reading about Jesus and how he led and how he existed to serve as well. And you start learning about what, you know, like Robert Greenleaf and servant leadership looks like. I realized pride was going to be, you know, you hear it, pride is the downfall. And, you know, one of my favorite researchers is Cy Wakeman. And, and she says, your ego is not your amigo. And, and that was so true for me. And, and I really began to lean into what does humility look like? How can I shine the light of our great work and not want to be in the spotlight all the time so that I could achieve these, these goals that I'd set for myself? But how do you begin to humbly lead, involving others, getting others' perspectives, never assuming you have the best idea? Pride. I would say was my biggest downfall because for the longest time I felt like I had to prove myself uh, to others and I had to prove my worth instead of building up and lifting up the worth of those around me. And that's been my biggest vice. And if I could offer a second one, it was fear, Um, fear of not being enough and that being a shot to my pride. I think my pride and fear fueled each other. So fear of, you know, not being viewed as part, as, as good enough by my peers, not being viewed as, uh, as cool enough, as skinny enough, as, you know, handsome enough, whatever you want to say, fear drove me for a long time. And I think, you know, that was good for a, maybe a minute, but it, you know, that fuel became a quick weakness because then it became insecurity and fear of, and that bred competition. In, in one of my first leadership roles at Christus, one of the individuals that reported to me was incredibly intelligent and deserves everything that he's gotten. And when he began reporting to me, though, that fear of not being as good as this individual led to insecurities and that blinded me from what I really needed to be focusing on in my role and led to competitiveness. And it really only impacted me. It only impacted me negatively and the way that I showed up at work every day, but it was entirely my pride and fear feeding into one another. And it kept me from being a person that I would say who I know I am as a leader today. So those would be the two vices I would say I've really struggled with uh, in my leadership journey. 
Have you read the uh, book of Samuel on Saul and David? I have. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a perfect analogy to what you were going uh, through in that moment of, you know, that David is so- killing Goliath <laughs> and the women cheering like, well, Saul kills his thousands and David kills his 10,000s. Yeah, like, exactly. Instantly, like Saul allows like, you know, pride and his ego and jealousy to get the best of him and to be totally focused on like, you know, killing David versus being focused on like being a leader and focusing on, you know, his yeah. duties and responsibilities in front of him. And that did not end up well for that man. So yeah, that's <laughs> no. a great analogy. <laughs> Awesome. So uh, on the flip side of that, what, what virtues do you feel like you've been naturally gifted with? I think warmth uh, and the ability to, to build relationships with people and make them feel included. So I think that comes with some of this humility, but also um, that I've really worked to, to kind of grow. But one of the things that I've always tried to, that I feel like is a virtue is to always make people feel like they're enough and they're included. So, you know, strength finders, individualization, developer, and includer are some of my top strengths that, that flow out. And I think a lot of that is, is born from what was fueling me was to prove that I was good enough to be a part of this group or a part of something or a part of an organization, whatever you may have. That led to this drive to want to make sure nobody ever felt that way when they were around me. And so I think I always try and recognize the dignity of the individuals around me. So I don't know if there's a a formal word for that virtue, but I would call it just inclusivity is something that is so important to me that people recognize why the work that they're doing is so important to what we're doing as a team, that they recognize they have a spot on this team. We value who they are. I want to get to know them on a personal level. And that's something that just building those connections, I've always felt like has come really natural to me. My fiance will tell you that I'm way too outgoing, but I just think that's my natural strength coming out. <laughs> awesome. I love that. And uh, Elisa Reynolds has been on the Virtuous Heroes podcast who referred you to it. And, uh, you know, she, I could see, as you mentioned, just being able to, you know, as we talked about impartations before the podcast, just mm-hmm. in the ways that leader can leaders can pour into people that are reporting into yeah. them being able to see that firsthand of that natural gifting of her, like you said, like getting a hug right off the get go. Yeah, like, What's know. happening here? This is a different <laughs> culture than I'm used to, but just being able to be that interpersonal and be so focused on like genuine relationships and loving others. So that's yeah. awesome. So uh, what is the biggest challenge in your life presently? I think I still battle with, um, with, this feeling of being enough and doing enough uh, and really resting in the truth that I'm enough today uh, and I'm worthy of it, you know, of what I've gotten. I, you know, sometimes I, I doubt, I, I probably struggle a lot with imposter syndrome. Um, you know, I'm pretty young. One of the younger leaders, or at the time I was when I was promoted, one of the younger leaders across our team and imposter syndrome was one of those things that I really struggled with. Um, and I think it still carries out today, always questioning, are we on the right path? Are we doing the right things? Am I leading this team in a way that, um, that I'll be proud of 10 years from now, right? And so that's one of the big struggles mm-hmm. along with just the, the struggles of life, right? Like, so you've got your own, you look at everything that's going on in the world today and 
and that impacts everybody on your team in different ways. So how do you lead them while honoring different people's struggles, also combating your own struggles that you're having with what's going on with, call it politics, call it, you know, anything. And it's, that's probably been one of the toughest things is imposter syndrome and, and how to lead in a way that we recognize and respect where people are in life outside of work and how it's showing up at work. Those are probably two of my big challenges today. Surely. <clears throat> so do you mind if I take that to prayer? Yeah. All right. Well, Lord Jesus Christ, we uh, thank you again for this time of fellowship. Lord, I um, can see your hand all over this episode today. And Father, I just pray in Jesus' name that uh, any fear that Spencer is still uh, facing to leave the present and to be focused 10 years from now, to worry about the impact that he's making, to be worried if he's on the right track or not, that it just be broken in Jesus' name. And that, Lord, that you would cover him from head to toe in the blood that you spilled on the cross so that uh, any uh, spiritual attacks that he's getting in his own leadership quest would be pulled off of him. And that, Father, that uh, you would send the Holy Spirit to just grip his heart, to encounter him, and to, in the same way that when he encountered you, Jesus, through Josh in college, that he would have another encounter with you. And that, Lord, that through those encounters, he would be able to be so present that people would know him for his presence, that uh, people, whenever they start to feel their own fears and anxieties or, you know, the ways that they question whether they're good enough, that they could just be around Spencer and that alone would draw them back into the present. Lord, there is no one more present in this world than you've ever been. And so, Lord, we thank you for this gifting that you've been able to impart upon Spencer through prayer and through grace. Lord, I just uh, continue to pray blessings over Spencer in his journey as he continues to grow uh, at Christus Health and to inspire others to virtuous leadership as well. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, well, thank you so much for uh, watching us on the Virtuous Heroes podcast where we inspire virtuous leadership. Spencer, just can't thank you enough for the way that you've blessed our audience today. And um, yeah, just look forward to continuing the, the journey and relationship with you. Yeah, Likewise, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. Hey, Chris here. Hope you enjoyed this episode. To continue to grow in virtue, will you please subscribe to the Virtuous Heroes podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify? Or you could also visit us on the web at www.spiritmco.com. That would be tubular. Hope you have an awesome day.